now there we are. Uh, so when Pastor Mike asked me to preach, I, the first thing I did in trying to prepare for it was to, to pray, which I felt like, ha got it right. That's good. I should have done that. That's what I should have done, and I did. And as I prayed, God left on my heart the idea that I needed to be able to, like he said, research um, comparisons. Look in the Bible. Find, find comparisons and just learn things. And I like, as I listen to people do stuff, I usually would try to get like a nugget. That's what I call it, a little nugget. And so you may, all, you know, all the dirt goes through and the piece you want to keep, that's the part you take home. And you can use that for another time or, you know, let it, you kind of mull on you. So I kept getting these nuggets and I, little, little you know, things, and I'm trying to put it all together as best I could, kind of like a patchwork quilt, you know, and I'm just hoping that as I put all these pieces together, that it's sort of rectangular shaped. We'll see how well it fits in a box. Who knows? But just bear with me. Um, so one of the first things I did, I didn't, I didn't start, well, I, I started in the Bible, but one of the things I also, I also pulled up on the internet and asked for a definition of, um, of comparison. And number one is the act or instance of comparing. Thank you, Wikipedia. That would not fly in my elementary school. Define it. Comparing is the act of comparing. Very nice. Yes. You use the word in the definition. It doesn't help. Okay, so the second one is an analogy. Oh, okay, we're getting somewhere. What's an analogy? We looked that up. A comparison between two things. <laughs> Typically for the purpose of explanation or qualification. Clarification. And, a, you know, there you go. So then, then the last one, I thought this one was very cerebral. And it, it sounds good. Like, this is a definition. Here we go. The formation of the comparative and superlative forms of adjectives and adverbs. Did anyone learn anything from that? Me neither. So so I was thinking, okay, well, so part of the reason for why you compare something is because you have trouble describing it. If it were a simple concept, you'd just say, okay, like if that, that wall is black. Okay, well, it was a black wall. There we go. We're done. Real simple to do. Kind of easy to go with. But when it's, there's more involved, you have to start doing, taking things that you know and draw a comparison. So an example I, I came up with, I want you to imagine that you are, okay, uh, I want you to imagine that you guys are, that we all are in a dark room, in a circle. Now this is fantasy. Now this is, this doesn't even make any sense for the most part, but you can picture the elements of this. We're all in a dark room. Lights are off. We are in a circle. Something is in the middle. We have one flashlight. Just one. So one at a time, we take the flashlight and we look at this thing and we go, oh, look, it's a statue. wonder what the heck that statue is. Okay, you know, if it's a horse, you can say it's a horse. That's what it is because that's something you know. If it's something that's completely abstract, you can only see your portion of it. As you pass the, the highlight, you can see the silhouette as you go around. Your perspective dictates how you see something. In the Bible, one of the ways methods of comparison are parables. And Jesus used this a lot in his teaching, so it would be kind of fun to follow in those footsteps. So the parable is meant to have, you've got a certain scenario that should be familiar with the people you're talking about, or it's a waste. Jesus knows better. So he told fishing parables to fishermen, farming parables to farmers. And so the idea was to, to tell something that they could grasp and then make a connection. And so that usually has a singular point. So you, you, don't, you don't look at the parable of the, uh, 
the, uh, the prodigal son and think, oh, I should model my life after the prodigal son because I know God will take me back. Wrong lesson. That is not the lesson. But the idea is you, there's a single lesson that you're going in. So, <clears throat> so as uh, anyway, this is the part where I have to regroup and figure out where I am. I did turn off the, the part where my phone turns off in the middle of me making a point because that was a lot of fun <laughs> in the first service. All right, so know the, hold on to the parable stuff. We'll get to that in just a minute. Um, so as I was looking at the different types of comparisons, um, I had three different basic pieces that I, I felt like God, you know, kind of categories, um, where I compare me to me, me to others, and then me to God. And those were the three categories that I want to land on. Um, so if I compare me to me, for the most part, I'm not, I mean, it sounds like the same thing, right? But we're talking future and past. So past me has become present to me and will become future me. I can remember past me and learn from past me. I can affect present me, which will dictate future me. That's the only way that goes. Um, and just a, something fun, I thought, but, you know, as, as your age and perspective, the notion of like, you know, what, what you're looking at for that statue, like your perspective on something, if, uh, a 30-year-old comes in, sits down, he's tired. He says, man, I feel old. 30-year-old says, I feel old. 20-year-old will say, he sounds old. 12-year-old will say, he is old. 40-year-old says, yeah, it doesn't feel the same, does it? Remember being in 20s? It feels different now. 60-year-old says, you two don't know what you're talking about. And the oldest one in the room says, what did they say? I'm sorry. It's better perspective. But to the 30-year-old, old is old. I'm feeling older. That's where you are. Whatever age you're at, there's someone older, probably, and, and you know, and there's someone younger. And so your job is to relate between the two. You've got your perspective, but it's still real to you. I'll move on to me versus others. Um, in uh, Matthew uh, 7, 2, it says, For the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and the measure you use will be used to measure you. So as you make comparisons, you be fair about it. You know, you can't say, well, I'm doing better, or I'm doing worse, or I'm whatever. It's, that's not, you, you can't say, this person is a certain way, or this person is a certain way, because you don't know. You don't know who that is or what that is. We each have, we each have a, a different gifts of, of, of things. Um, the way that God makes us is different. Um, if you consider like construction materials, um, concrete has an incredible compressive strength. You can weigh it down and weigh it down and weigh it down. And so long as it's within its threshold, it, you, you can put massive amounts on top. You put a building on top of concrete, it can be, you know, near a mile high. Kevlar, does anybody know what that is? Okay, it's, it's what they use, it's the fiber they use to make bulletproof vests. Um, it will stop a bullet 
but you can cut it with scissors. Good scissors, not bad ones. Sewing scissors. There we go. <laughs> it has, but if you try, if you the compressive strength of it, if you put like lots of weight on the middle of it, it'll fail. Those fibers will break. They won't hold. But if you try to pull it apart or rip it, it's like ever try to rip open a seatbelt? You know, Seinfeld has this thing. He says, "Yeah, I just figured I could get it started." You know. <laughs> but Kevlar is has a lot of tensile strength. It's very flexible. You ever try to bend concrete? Like you know, it 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 immediately it doesn't bend at all, and it depends on tensile strength, and it'll snap. It'll break right off. They have a they. Construction folks always try to find a new way to do stuff, and they have started putting Kevlar fibers into concrete. So at the part where they're making it, they put the fibers all in it, and they get reinforced concrete. The concrete protects the Kevlar. It will not allow it to be crushed in a way that it can't do, that it'll fail. And then when the concrete starts to be pulled or pulled, you know, pulled in a direction, that's when the Kevlar leans its strength into it, and it holds together. We each have different strengths. We are each made by God. And you can't look at, like, Kevlar can't look at concrete and go, God, how did you, why did you allow that? Why did you allow that? That would have killed me. Maybe it would have. But that wasn't you. People can look at your testimony and think, wow, I could never handle that. And that might be true. It might not be true also. But as you make that comparison, you need to remember that God made you in a way that he also promised he would not give you too much. And if you're stuck, if you if you if he's giving you a way out and you keep not taking it, he doesn't ever break that promise. That way out is still there. It, it, you can get out how many times you've gone, or if you've gone, if you've been doing it for years, you can get out of that. Because God is promised to show you that way. I have jumped around a bit. <laughs> See if I can come back. All right. Other comparisons between me and others. Um, I work for a university. My job is to design systems so that when someone comes in, they just push a couple buttons and everything works. Um, if I do my job well, that works every time. I still try to do the best of what I got, but it's you know it's not going to work but so well. But the method by which I do this at my work, I'm the only one that's certified to do this job. That doesn't make me necessarily special per se, but it, it does mean when it's, you know, when it, everything points that this is what's going on, I'm the one they call. And so when I try, and if I try to explain it, there's a level of understanding that's not available to some people. Though being the expert, it's hard to draw people up to that level, but I try. This, this, my goal is for people to know more, and I feel like that part is happening as, as what I do. But I'm regarded as the best in my, in my space. That's awkward for me. I don't like that. I mean, but if I if I met if I fed off of that and I thought that was amazing, I'd be tempted to just stay there. Look, I'm the expert. I am the best. I go to training. This is humbling. <laughs> I was certified in 2008 for this particular um, this particular skill, and in 2010 I went to the first like what was called masters training. They call it that masters, so that you feel amazing. You master this. <laughs> So I came in and felt everything but amazing. I, I swear I was the dumbest man in the room because all the experts got together, and they were impressive. And, and so I started looking at them the way that everyone else looks at me when I'm at home. And they're like, wow, you really know your stuff. And I come to find out it's not that I do or don't know more or less. Some of the things I'm actually 
know more about than some of these other experts because the field is so wide. I've got a strength. They've got a strength. But talking to experts draws you up. So I make the comparison. This is, I compare myself to this person. And I look at it. I don't say that person's better. But I see I can improve myself in this direction. If your comparison draws you down, you're drawing the wrong conclusion. It's not where you need to go. You compare, somebody may be better, somebody may be stronger, whatever. God's not going to put you in a situation that he won't protect you in. He made you, and you may feel like you could do more if he gave you more. You may be wrong. <laughs> you know, there, there, you don't know, which is why you need to be in constant communication with him. God, what's my next step? Where are we going today? <laughs> what are we going to do? Parable of the talents. Finally get into the parable part. Here we are. So, master was going away. Y'all probably know this. The general concept, he's a landowner, and he calls some people who are in charge of certain aspects of uh, what he owns and is in charge of. And he says, I'm going to give each of them an amount of money. It was called a talent. So, one of them got five talents. I didn't do the math to find out what that is, but... It's, it's, we'll just assume it's a whole bunch of money. It's, it's resources. So five times the amount of resources was given to one person, two times given to a second person, and one time, give, you know, one of these talents was given to somebody else. And the Bible, the, the story told, is told, says that they were given according to their capabilities. Okay, so draw that in. So what they were capable of doing, the master saw, this guy can handle five, this one can handle two, this guy can handle one. Let's go for it. And he says, I'll be back. But he doesn't say when. Might have been a week. Probably not. Might have been three decades. Probably more likely. I mean, I, I don't know. But we don't know. So we're not going to add or subtract to that. But we don't know how long we have to deal. The, these guys don't know how long they have to deal with the talent that they've been given. Neither do you. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. So the uh, master comes back and says, how'd you do? I gave you something. What'd you do with it? And the first two were both like, hey, we did what we could with it, and we made double. And the master's like, awesome, that's great. So now this guy's in charge of ten, this guy's in charge of, of four, and he calls the last guy up. And he said, I was afraid of you because I didn't want to lose it because there is risk involved. Whenever you invest something, I could lose it all. It could have been a hailstorm or something. You never know. So I just hit it. I hit it in a field. It's still worth the one. Whatever this was, I hit it someplace, and I get... And the master's furious. He's like, I gave that to you because you could have done something with it and done more. And it wasn't that, like, it doesn't say, I wish I had more money. He just got, like, another seven from the other people. On the whole, he did fine. You know, and they had a risk of losing at least that much at some point, And may have. And then, you know, the yield went better. But this one didn't even try. He was measured to have been able to do something and chose to do nothing because he wanted to hold on to it and keep it. What we don't know in this story, and this, this is the part where they, there's one point. I'm going to stretch just a little bit to the part where it's familiar from us. What we don't know is whether each of these guys knew each other. Was, were they like all in the same house? And I'm gonna give you, did they, were they all called to the same meeting and said, I'm giving you I'm giving you two, giving you one, because it's what I think each of y'all can handle. 
My guess is as each one was given that, it was done individually, and they were each like, wow, this is a lot. Whatever, this is a lot. I don't know if I can handle doing this. And the master says, I trust you with it. This is why I'm giving it to you. So they can each look at each other if, if they were all in the same room. I don't think that's what happened, though. I think they each were on their own, and on, individually the master came back to them. But I wonder how that one would have done if he said, hey, guys, master's giving me something to invest. I'm scared to death that I'm going to lose this. And they probably would respond, we were too. We are too. This is not, you know, maybe not going so well, but we're going to invest it because it's what he told us to do. Could they have been a better influence on this one? So if God's given something to you on your heart, something that you feel like you need to be doing, and you've got other friends, church family, that have something on their heart, they, you know, God, we're all got our stuff. God's put stuff on us. If you're supposed to be doing something, but you're holding on to it, be honest about it. Say, I'm holding on to this thing. What, what can I do? Make the comparison and draw yourself up. See what other people are doing and don't go, I can never do that. No. See what other people are doing and go, God trusted them with that. He's trusted me with this. and He's blessed them with that. Let him bless me with this. You know, he's not going to give it to you unless you can handle it. It's a promise. His promises are better than ours. Where in the world am I now? Y'all can uh, take a moment to think about that. And uh, the uh, one of the cool things, I, I, when you start looking for a particular thing, you know, like I, I was like looking for comparisons and doing stuff. Um, like if you buy a new car that you've never heard of, and like I've never even heard of this car, this is cool. Then, then you get on the road and they're like everywhere. Same basic thing with like when you say, God, I want to learn about the word comparison. They everything, they're just everywhere. And it, I don't think it's that. All of a sudden, that's there. It's that all of a sudden I start listening for it. So, how many of y'all, you know, every year in January, we take a word. We, are, we as a church will pray that individually we'll have a word to help us, you know, guide for that. If you, it's, we're halfway through this year. If you haven't taken the time to study that word, take the time. That's something like, I, I was, I've been so blessed by looking for this. Comparison was not my word. It was just what I felt like God had told me to do. But with that, I now have something I can share with somebody else. Um, now, first thing, first person I share it for is me. What is God pulling out of me with this? That's, that's the good thing. But I also have the ability to share it with you guys and the 9 o'clock. So far, I think it's going all right. But y'all have the ability to do that as well. You can share it with friends, coworkers, you know, family. People that need to hear it. Like, hey, God God shared this with me. And it's, it's, it can, you know, you don't have to be like, the word of the Lord says. Just like, hey, I'd like to discuss this. I'm learning things about this. Would you talk about this with me? And it'll probably go well. Um, one of the things that, that landed on me, I was listening to the radio, said don't compare your inside to other people's outsides. That was this week. I'm like, writing that down. And there it is. <laughs> so... That was just somebody called in and said that. And I was like, sweet. Stealing that. Um, another thing uh, that, that someone told me, insecurities are rooted, rooted in or fed by comparison. So if that's where 
if you're insecure on something, you need to do that, your, your comparison, and live that draw up and not draw down. It's really, it's not going to, not good for you. All right. Me versus God. No comparison here. <laughs> um, the, uh, oh, where are we? Okay. So in Isaiah, talks about our righteousness being like, like our righteousness, the righteousness that we are able to do the best we can. That is like filthy rags. Um, yeah, that's nice. You feel real good about yourself with that one. You finally get it right. This is this is the word of the you know this is this is how much it's worth a filthy rag. And uh, they make rags now, but back in the day they didn't make rags. They you made rags because you weren't willing to wear that shirt anymore. And there were probably people like me that ra- that shirt was in bad shape by the time you finally graduated to rag status. So rather than throwing it away, you. <laughs> You like I will. You with me? Okay. So Will's, Will's going to get me on. The, Will's a mechanic and does a phenomenal job. But the um, for the he, he's familiar with the notion of a rag. Uh-huh. You, ever, you, you clean a, an axle with a rag. Is it worth anything? That rag was just demoted to you have one more job, one more chance of being worth anything, and then Will put it on an axle, and that worth is gone. It is. There's nothing worth it. So okay. So, my righteous act, that thing I got right that one time, that's how much it's worth. (laughs) It is worth being thrown away. But, when God looks at it, how does God see that? It's very different. God sees that same rag. He doesn't say it's worth more, but it's worthy. It's not worthy, but he assigns the value to it. And you're being... Worthy is not why he's calling you. You need to be willing. And so you're, you can't wait until you're worth enough for him to use. I, I'd have been waiting a long time before getting up here because there's always something I get wrong. You know, somewhere along the way I'll mess it up. I do my best. But that's, you know, that's, you can't work that way. All right. I'm going to do one other thing before we wrap up. Is that right? Yeah. Sorry. How am I doing on the time? Okay, good. So the first time I did this, um, the family disappeared. It took an hour and a half. I didn't get all the way through it. Um, The first service was like uh, 45 minutes, and we're going to try to beat that record if we can. But the good news is no one's coming after us, except for the Discover class. We could preach right into that and then just eat. So... That sounds cool. We can discover things about ourselves. <clears throat> so the last thing I want to uh, share. Um, do you all remember the Sons of Thunder? Sons of Thunder. James and John. So the their mother goes up to Jesus and has a very special request. Now, what we do, what we hear is, so James and John, their father's name is Zebedee, right? So therefore, the mother's name was Thunder. So, because they're the sons of thunder, and his name was Zebedee, so she must have been thunder. So thunder walks up to Jesus and says, there's some extrapolation here. This is a guess. Might be wrong, but it's fun. All right, so thunder walks up to Jesus, and she says, all right, when you come into your kingdom, I want one of my boys on the left, one of my boys on the right. 
What do you say to that? Jesus says, Thunder, you don't know what you're asking. He may have called her the right name, but he was thinking it, I'm sure, because that's a thunderous request. And he said, you don't know what you're asking. First of all, my father's the one who's made that, who's, who's already appointed who's going to be left and right. He says, by the way, do you think, can they even drink from the cup I'm drinking? And they chime in, yep, 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 I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, yep, let me do it. You know, because it's like, this is my chance. I will say yes. And he's like, it's not, that's not for me to decide. And I don't know that you can handle that. Because there's a lot going on with what this is going to be. Knows the capabilities. Knows what they're able to do. And knows what that position means. And so he diffuses that situation. Wouldn't it be nice if that was the end? It wasn't. There were ten other disciples that thought, wait a minute. Maybe I should get my mom in here, and they should, no, they knew better, but they were still mad. They were vying for that position, that left and right, because they're following Jesus. We know he's the number one, not just like two and three. I just want, like, you know, a medal. You know, that's all I'm hoping for here. <clears throat> and they start grumbling about each other, and then Jesus calls it out, whoa, 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 whoa. Y'all are fighting for position. That's not what this is about. It's completely wrong. You know, who's going to sit on left and right? That doesn't even matter. So he says, he tells them, you know the rulers of the Gentiles. They lord it over them. Come, serve me, kiss my ring, whatever. They, and they have, you know, they have their officials exercise their authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. He's about to die on the cross, and he washes their feet. How do you become great? You're, the idea was, I want to be great. I want people to know I'm great. We'll do something great. Be a servant. You know, don't be great. Don't look at the wonderful things that you've done, or look at your where you've come from, the past, that thing that you compare with and go, I came from that, and here I am. Behold, I'm great. No. It doesn't work. You know, because you don't know where your future's going. That kind of attitude is going to mess that up. Because where you're going, you may have come from something to what you now regard as something. But if that's just where you stay for the rest of your life, that's, that's not, that doesn't help future you. You know, that's not where you need to be. So I'm going to try to wrap this up. Um, as you look at comparison, and you need to look at how that makes you what does that do inside you? Does that draw up a, a sense that of urgency, of excitement? You know, I compare this, I can do more. I want to do more. You know, God, use me to do more. Sometimes the answer is, you're doing it right. I need you to stay here in a, like a tempering cycle. You know, you've, you've gone through something here. There's, there is a patient time. I will use you in a bit. And so in that time, if you're not being called to do something different, this is when you start asking God for information. You get this, you do this, uh, your, your little word thing, and you get this nugget. It becomes a tool. You can share it with people. And, you know, like they say, a man with a hammer sees every problem as a nail. Well, you know, so you, you might want to over-exercise that one tool. That might not be in your best interest. If, if you've only got one tool, so ask for another Say, God, how about this word? What else could I do? 
You know, fill your toolbox with nuggets from God, from, from His Word. There are other people that have done a good job of preaching somewhere that have, you know, you can learn from. Take the nuggets and, and be able to, to speak into someone's life and say, hey, I think this is this. You're going to mess it up too. It's going to happen. There was a, a young lady who had a word for me today said that God was excited about what I was doing. And I thought, that's awesome. How cool. But she didn't want to share that. Her mom made her do it. But it was a blessing to me. She said there were times when I've shared things and that's gone bad. And I'm like, wow. That almost robbed me of a really genuine blessing. You know? And that would have been sad. But but she, with her mother's prompting, a better thunder. <laughs> she went the right way. And we shared that blessing, which was really cool. And if she listens to the podcast, she'll get to know I did that to her. And that's cool. But anyway, um, I want to wrap up with just one more scripture. Grace, would you mind coming up, please? Hold on. Can't read it yet. Give me a sec. All right. It's in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. I really want you all to just listen to this. When I, when I found this, I was looking for something else. And I was trying to think, how do I wrap up all this like comparison stuff? And what, what does it really mean to have this comparison in for things? Um, I've been working on this for about two months right now. These words were written almost 2,000 years ago. And we're like, to me, it was, I was just real excited when I saw it. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if, any, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, any affliction or compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit and intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind and regard for one another. Do not regard yourself as more important than others. Do not merely look on your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's not even a name. Just acknowledge where you are. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. To be made in the likeness of man. That's a comparison. He started off as God, but he said, I'm going to go be a man. I'm going to walk. I'm going to have to go from one place to another and be there and and meet people and encourage them and ask them to follow me. Some did, some didn't. Some turned away. But he knew his path. He kept on it. For this reason also, God, God highly exalted him. I'm sorry, I skipped on, sorry. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Not an easy death. That one took a while and it hurt. But he was obedient to that. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name. And we get to use that name in power for God's glory. 
I'm going to ask you guys, if you, just to, to take the comparison.